Thank you for listening to the Your Mindful Coach podcast. This is Mark Balser. Today is the second in a series called Cultivating the Heart Beginner's Meditation. In this episode, we explore the quality of loving kindness as well as a naming or noting meditation. If you'd like to learn more, please visit my website, www.yourmindfulcoach.com, where you can find events, including a presentation called Mindfulness is for You, which will be held October 4th in Bryn Mawr. Thank you for coming tonight. Some of you coming again, some of you coming for the first time. It's really exciting to have a mix of newbies and uh, people who, here, who were here last time. Um, and for those of you who weren't here last time, you'll have no problem picking it up. Um, we're aiming for the simple <laughs> in this uh, class. Um, it's called Beginner's Meditation, so there you have it. Um, and the framework that I put around it is cultivating the heart. And in the Buddhist tradition, there are four immeasurable qualities of the heart, four factors of awakening, um, four factors of enlightenment, all the same thing, just translated differently. Um, and compassion is one. We spent some time with compassion last time because as we embark on this practice, um, we're going to have some bumpy times. <laughs> um, a big part of our job is to pay attention to what's happening right now and then get distracted and then catch ourselves and bring ourselves back and get distracted and coming back. So we need a little compassion for that. Um, and another element is loving kindness is how it's translated from the Sanskrit and the Pali. So we're going to spend time with loving kindness tonight. Many of you saw these be kind buttons that I have here uh, for you. There's a wonderful local artist that makes those. Um, the last two, which I'll be doing October 27th and, uh, sorry, November 27th and December 3rd, 4th, I'm not sure, but it's on this blue sheet here, um, are joy and equanimity, which is a fancy way of saying balance. So thank you so much for coming tonight. Um, and like I said, we're going to keep it simple. I listened to a lot of podcasts and I heard from this meditation teacher and his son named David Nickturn this week. And what he says is Repet repetition of simplicity leads to insight. Repetition of simplicity leads to insight. So I shared with you last time that my goal for you is to say, you know what, I should try this out five minutes a day, three minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, whatever it is, over time. We have really compelling evidence now that our brains literally build new connections as we practice things like meditation and mindfulness. Um, and I love to start with practice so that you're not just hearing me lecture the whole time. Um, so as we're doing it, take care of yourself. So if something we're doing isn't quite working for you, you might open your eyes. Um, you might ignore my instructions and work on your grocery list in your head. Um, you can even uh, let yourself out for a walk, but I, I don't want you to do anything that's not feeling right today. Um, so let's jump into practice, um, and it'll be a simple practice, just three, three, four, five minutes. Um, and I call it touching your heart. Um, I'm actually going to do it with the door open because who knows, maybe people will wander in as they see us practicing together. I'll close it afterwards. Um, but, you know, our practice is valuable when we're practicing in a quiet, small space, no distractions. But the reason we're really practicing is when we're out in the world. So if we have a couple distractions from the hallway, that becomes part of the exercise that we're doing of training our brain. So as you're ready, you might assume a comfortable posture, back relatively upright but relaxed so that you support both calm and focus. You might imagine it as a posture of dignity. And just take a few moments to gather the state of your mind, the state of your body, and the state of your heart.
Allow your awareness to rest upon your breath. Sensing the natural inhale and exhale. Inhale and exhale. And now, if you like, I'd invite you to imagine with each breath, breathing into your heart. Direct the energy of the in-breath to the area of your heart, releasing the exhale from the heart and let it spread out in front of you. Feeling each breath in the middle of your chest as it enters your heart. Sensing how your heart might open and soften. And perhaps resting your hand gently on your heart. Feeling your chest rise and fall. And perhaps feeling the gentle vibration of each beat. And as you sense your heart, I'll share the following poem. It's called Allow by Dana Faltz. There is no controlling life. Try corralling a lightning bolt containing a tornado. Dam a stream and it will create a new channel. Resist and the tide will sweep you off your feet. Allow, and grace will carry you to higher ground. The only safety lies in letting it all in, the wild and the weak, fear, fantasies, and successes. When loss rips off the doors of the heart, or sadness fails your vision with despair, practice simply becomes bearing the truth. In the choice to let go of your known way of being, the whole world is revealed to your new eyes. things that I meant to tell you a few moments ago. Um, I, I, I record this so that I can post it on the internet. If you ask any questions, it can hear me really well. It can't hear you so well. So I edit out anything that you've shared with me, which I can't even hear on the tape anyway. Um, and uh, just kind of a reminder of what I shared last time that I, I'd like to be a guide, but not a teacher. And so in that way, we're all each other's guides as we practice. So, so don't believe a word I say. Um, test it within yourself and see if it's true for you. Um, meditation is really just kind of a tool in our quiver of living life. And so everybody will have a different way that they apply this practice. I'm hearing some recurring themes that are exciting to me. Um, where are my sleepers at? Raise your hand if you're a sleeper. Oh, well, those, that's where I was hearing it. Raise your hand if you're, if you got the monkey mind where it's like too many thoughts you wish you could sleep. Yep.
Whatever you might gain from your practice won't be anything like what you imagine it will be. So just leave those ideas as they are. They'll pass of their own accord if you let them. So my first mindfulness-based stress reduction class, as I think I told you, the goal was to start sleeping again because I hadn't been sleeping. I was just under so much stress. Um, and it took a little while for the sleeping to come, but what came right away was my reactivity changing, like in the workplace. So I found myself getting less worked up, getting into less disputes at work. So there's some really interesting things that can happen as you make this a dedicated practice where you might be coming to this because you've got back pain and somebody told you that meditation can help with back pain. But then all of a sudden, your chronic ankle injury feels a little bit better. It's probably more your response to that chronic injury or your relationship with a, a relative that's been tough changes a little bit as you shift kind of your response to the experience that kind of is the way it is. Um, so just be curious and um, let things flow, knowing that something's gonna happen. Um, so uh, I wanna find our way to the second practice, which is a traditional loving kindness practice. So last week I did the mindfulness practice first, and that mindfulness practice is what you've been hearing about being in the here and the now. So we've got our body and our breath and our senses. We use that as an anchor to return our attention. The loving kindness practice is more in the arena of insight meditation. So we're bringing to mind images, we're bringing to mind intentions. And one of the goals of that is to open our heart and soften our heart. Um, so a loving kindness practice, raise your hand if you've done a loving kindness practice before. Does that sound familiar? Okay, two or three of us. Um, in a loving kindness practice, we start probably with ourselves, and there's a good reason for that. Um, you know, I started and got really good at meditation, um, and I told you relationships were going a lot better, but I still had this habit of criticism, and so guess where that ended up? Back to me. So in the world, I was kinder, but I had this habit of beating up on myself, and then beating up on myself for beating up on myself. And yeah, I, I don't know if you, <laughs> everybody, everybody's nodding in recognition. Um, so we've got our compassion here, but also using um, the tools of loving kindness to, to open our heart. Um, so we generally start with ourself, and what we do is we imagine ourselves sitting in this chair right now. Um, and we offer these wishes, these intentions or aspirations. Like, you don't have to be happy. You don't have to be healthy or safe or at ease. Um, but just offering yourself those phrases silently as you imagine yourself, just seeing what comes up. And then we expand that circle. So now that circle today, it's going to be a loved one. Uh, so somebody where you have a, a pretty positive relationship. And then you offer these wishes of happiness and health and safety and ease to, to this loved one. And we expand the circle further to include maybe a benefactor, somebody that's helped us out, um, a neighbor, a colleague, someone we have a more casual relationship with. We'll see how much time we put into this, but you can expand that circle further to include a neutral person, maybe like a stranger, somebody that you see every day when you're getting your coffee at the Wawa. Um, and so we're kind of going up these levels um, and opening our heart further still. Um, the last one's a little more challenging. The last one's a difficult person. So I encourage you not to pick the most difficult person in your life. I'm not gonna say what I was gonna say about the person because I'm recording myself. Um, but somebody that might cause you challenges. And I think it's a really interesting practice because they don't know you're doing this. They don't know you're wishing them well. So you don't have to worry about your relationship in that respect. Um, but in most cases, most cases people have shared with me, if that person that causes a challenge or difficulty was happy and healthy and felt safe and at ease, I have a feeling that they wouldn't give us such a hard time. So just trying that on. And like I said, don't try it with the most terrible person you know. Um, 
if you get lost while we're doing this. I have a handy dandy sheet, um, <laughs> but I'll guide you through it. So we're kind of expanding the circle and offer, offering happiness, health, safety, and ease. I'll guide you through the whole, whole practice. Does that make sense? We'll see as we go. So again, find that posture that supports focus and calm. Perhaps a posture of dignity. You might let your hands just rest gently in your lap or on your thighs. Your feet centered on the floor. Feeling that connection with the earth. Connection with your seat. And allowing your eyes to close gently. And bringing to mind a quality about yourself, which you're proud. Might be your creativity, your love of learning, your zest. It might be the acts you perform in the world or just your presence with those who are in need. And allowing the feeling as you practice this quality to go through your body, Fill your heart and your mind. Sense this positive quality in you. And then visualizing yourself as you sit in the chair Breathing gently. And silently offering the following wishes. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I be safe. May I be at ease. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I be safe. May I be at peace. Allow these phrases to wash over you. might offer them as simply words, happy, healthy, safe, and at ease. Perhaps there's one that resonates with you. And just offer that. May I be happy. May I be happy. Sense if you can receive this wish. Now bringing to mind a loved one, someone for whom your care and compassion comes quite easily. Visualize them 
Imagine them as they're doing what they love best. And if no one comes to mind, stay with yourself. Imagine yourself turning to this loved one and offering these same wishes. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. Silently repeating these phrases. Perhaps sensing the response of this loved one as you offer these wishes for happiness and health, safety and ease. And now bringing to mind a benefactor, someone who's offered you support, help. Visualize them in your mind. Imagine them doing something that they are passionate about what they enjoy and offer this benefactor these phrases as well. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. might sense how these wishes change or shift your state, your experience in the state of the one for whom you offer wishes. Expanding this circle further still now to include a colleague, a neighbor, or perhaps a neutral person, someone you don't know so well. Picture them in your mind's eye. May you be happy, May you be safe. May you be healthy. May you live with ease. I find these phrases don't always come easily or naturally. That's okay. You're able, just stay with it. This practice is forgiving, as it always allows us a chance to begin again with these intentions, with these wishes.
Now bringing up to mind a difficult person, someone who has caused you discomfort or pain. Bring an image to them, gently to your mind. You might sense if it feels safe for you. And if so, offering this person or persons the following wishes. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. Notice the feeling in your body, any tightness or tension, any lightness or softening. All these sensations are okay. <clears throat> Allow yourself to experience them Perhaps loosen them as you open your heart. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you be at ease. might offer, offer these wishes to yourself if that's what you need now. May I be happy and healthy and safe and at ease. Recognizing that these wishes don't condone the actions or suggest we need to rebuild relationships. This work is really for us. Might bring each individual back to your mind, envisioning a circle yourself, your loved one, your benefactor, the neutral person or neighbor, and even the difficult person. Offering the following wish to this group, may we be happy, may we be healthy. May we be safe. May we, may we live with ease. Allow this wish to fill your experience. Sensing health and happiness throughout your mind and body and heart. Expanding the circle further still to include those in your community, our country, our world. May all beings be happy. May all beings be safe. May all beings be healthy. May all beings live with ease. And the 
May the benefits of our work this evening extend beyond ourselves to include all the beings of the world. And allowing this practice to gently fade, gently deepening your breath, lengthening the breath, beginning to move your head or neck from side to side. Returning some movement to your body and then opening your eyes to the sound of the bell. No one asked for book recommendations, but um, Sharon Salzberg is a wonderful meditation teacher, and she wrote a book called loving kindness. Um, If you thought that was interesting, I'd encourage you to check that out because she has kind of a a longer term practice where you kind of build your own. So the phrases I used, and hopefully you noticed that every once in a while I flipped happy and healthy and safe and at ease because I kind of play around with those phrases in my own practice. I apologize that I didn't keep it consistent for you. Um, Please. Ah, so with compassion, um, the phrases were, may you be held in compassion, may you be free from pain and suffering, may you be at peace. Um, And I said a couple times, at peace. It really doesn't matter what phrases you bring to it, and oftentimes compassion and loving kindness practice are are one and the same. You, You probably did notice, last week, our last person was somebody that was suffering, that, that needed our help. Today it was the difficult person. Um, I don't know if I want to ask you to give compassion to that difficult person. Um, maybe we'll just throw some wishes over the wall. Um, and so ultimately in these kinds of practices, you, you come up with your own phrases that resonate for you. Um, they might be the ones that are comfortable. They also might be the ones that are uncomfortable and you kind of see how far you can get with them. Um, The phrases I use in my own practice um, are, may you be seen, may you be comforted, may you be loved. So you can imagine, you kind of got my personality of here. Being seen and heard is my thing. And that's also my wish for others. Um, If you find yourself interested in this working with difficult people, um, I'd encourage you to check out Sharon Salzberg. I'm gonna give you one of mine, but she's the expert. And one of the fun things that you can do with it is it doesn't have to be, may you be happy. It might be, may you not be so angry. So it can be a little bit passive aggressive of like, I'm not really offering the wish of health. Um, may you not, you know, die in a fiery car crash. Like, eventually you wanna to get to these true phrases. Um, And like we were talking about over here, um, this isn't for that person, it's for you. Um, So if it can help open your heart, even if you're not interacting with this person, um, that's the purpose. It's not to reunite people. So um, I had fun with that. Thank you. I'm going to end at about 8.10 tonight. I tried to move the end time to 8.30, but it still didn't change. So um, probably when we meet again, November 27th, we'll go to, I'll call it 8.30 and we'll end a couple minutes early. Um, But I wanted to share one more mindfulness practice with you. Um, So for those of you who weren't here last time, um, we did a very simple focused breathing practice. Um, And we found the sensation of breath in our body and we just observe that, we follow that. So we just breathe naturally. And of course, what happened to those of us who were here last time? We're following our breath, following our breath, and what happened? Got distracted, our minds wandered.
And we pretty much came right back to our breath. We're like, oh, got distracted, let me come back. Um, we're gonna do it a little bit differently tonight. Um, and I thought I'd share a little bit of the brain process. If anybody has ever read Dan Siegel's work, um, he wrote a book called Brainstorm, and it's about the teenage brain. And we all know that the teenage brain um, doesn't have a fully developed prefrontal cortex. So they've got this great emotional system. They can feel their emotions. They can feel rage and anger and frustration. Um, but they don't have this overarching thinking brain, rational brain, moral brain, um, all connected to the other parts. Um, so same is true for us, or just a little bit more developed. And so Dan Siegel shares this model called the hand model of the brain. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but basically you, know, you raise your hand, right hand, left hand, doesn't matter. And so imagine our wrist here and our forearm as our brainstem. So this is the part of our uh, brain that controls all these automatic functions, our breathing, our heartbeat, um, regulates our temperature and so on. Um, and then if you take your thumb here and put it on the inside, this is our, our emotional brain, our ling limbic system. So that includes things like the amygdala, if you've heard of that, that's kind of the fight or flight sensor system. So the amygdala is the arousal and the kind of survival thing that says, holy cow, you're getting chased by a tiger, now's the time to run. Let's send cortisol throughout the body, divert blood from the brain, bad news, and the stomach to your legs and your butt so that you can get away from this tiger. So we've got this emotional system. A teenager has that pretty well developed. But then if you take your hands and fold it over that limbic system, this is your cortex, and right in the front here is your prefrontal cortex. And the process of adolescence till about 25 is all about building connections between this prefrontal cortex and your limbic system and also your brainstem so that you you know some of these automatic functions happen more smoothly um, so you're building these neural connections called neuroplasticity um, the good news is we can do that as well we just don't have the insulation behind those new connections that our teenage friends do and so what happens in a teenager, teenager and also in us is we've got this amygdala here that's shaken. Something bad's happening, I'm under threat. Um, our body thinks it's a physical threat even though most of the time it's a psychological threat or an emotional threat. And it vibrates so much that the connection, this loose connection between our prefrontal cortex and our emotional system goes like this and we flip our lid. So anybody here ever freaked out? Yeah. That's pretty much what's happening. Um, they put uh, people in MRI machines, uh, and what they do is they intentionally trigger some kind of fear element. And what happens is the, I forget whether it's the right amygdala or the left amygdala goes crazy, lights up like a Christmas tree. Um, and so now you're freaking out here. And then the very next thing for uh, kind of highly practicing meditators is the prefrontal cortex on the other side of the brain that lights up. And what it's doing is it's shooting, it's doing a neurotransmitter connection down to the amygdala saying, listen, we're not being chased by a tiger, you can settle down. So in this practice that we're doing, we're getting distracted, we might go into this fight or flight state, and then our thinking brain says, oh, hold on a second, let me get back to now, let me get back to my breath. Does that make sense to you? Um, so what we're gonna do in this practice is called name it to tame it. So the process of naming what's going on triggers in our thinking brain, our prefrontal cortex, the message down to the amygdala of like everything's cool. So you can imagine you're thinking and you say thinking, thinking, and then you turn back to your breath. So that's the difference between last time. Last time we just went straight back to the breath. This time we're gonna really acknowledge that thought and say, hey, I see you over there thinking. Right now I'm busy paying attention to my breathing. I'll come back to you another time because we know it's gonna be there later. Feelings, body sensations, pretty much anything. Um, in the world, I, I liken it to, um, you know, you're in a dispute with somebody and you say, I'm just really frustrated right now. And oftentimes that'll diffuse the situation just by naming it. And that's really the process that's happening inside our body. So we'll practice for six or seven or eight minutes, something like that. 
Um, so it'll be pretty similar to what we did last time, um, where we caught ourselves, we were gentle, and then we began again. And this time we're just naming. And you can be creative with that naming. It might be planning, it might be worrying, it might be regretting, it might be, um, I'm trying to think of the one word, it might be excitement, it might be anticipation. Um, it doesn't have to be just bad things. And with all of them, we'll just recognize them, but then come back to our breath. How's that sound? Awesome. Okay, so one last time we can find that posture of dignity. Allow your breath to flow freely and naturally. And let your eyes close as we enter into practice. Allow your breath to flow naturally. And simply observe each breath. Finding the part of your body where you sense it most prominently. So it might be the rise and fall of your belly a lifting of your shoulders with each in-breath. Perhaps it's the sensation of air entering and exiting your nostrils. Sense the flow of the air and the delicate movement of the muscles involved in each breath. Stay with the breath. And invariably, as you observe the breath, you'll have a thought, you'll have a memory. Catch yourself and give it a name. Thinking. Planning. And when you've given it a name, slowly return your attention back to your breath. And that thought might be particularly sticky. Just name it again. Worrying or anticipating. Allow that distraction, that stimulus to move on on its own time as you return to your breath. Naming what comes up and returning over and over again.
appreciating the gift that you've given yourself to bring your focus to each breath in this moment. One more minute. As you practice naming, you might note what changes or shifts in your experience. Letting go of these instructions. And if you like, setting an intention, an intention for practice. An intention for the world. So at the start, I shared a quote from David Nickturn. Um, his son also got in the game as well. And he said that the practice of meditation is not about mastery. It's not about mastery. It's about trying. It's about trying and failing and then trying again. Um, so you're getting very expert in no time at all. I know many of you have practiced meditation before, so it's not just me, but it's definitely you. Um, maybe take two or three minutes for questions and then I'll wrap up for two or three minutes. Anybody have any thoughts, reflections, or questions that they'd like to share? So there are traditions of emptying your mind, um, but we're really fighting our biology there. We have a thought every second and a half, it's 50,000 thoughts a day. 90% of them are repeats. Um, we're very familiar with them. Um, I think you're onto something though, because what I find so useful in practice is that I can bring the 10 or 15 thoughts bumping around in my head at a time down to one or two or three. So I can take them one at a time. So yeah, I, I don't like to think of emptying our mind, but really to be with whatever we're experiencing in the moment. And that process of neuroplasticity, it, it's really amazing. Over a month or two months, there's some benefits that you'll probably note um, in that speed of the thoughts coming at you. So thank you for, for asking that. Please. That's a really interesting question. I have a practice that I like. <laughs> um, it turns out it comes from Tony Robbins, so I apologize for that. Um, let's talk, and I, I'll, I'll try to remember to share it with you. It's uh, called the problem-solving questions. So I don't know if it's exactly what you're talking about here, but basically, that's an insight practice where you think of a situation that's causing you challenge, a problem you want to solve. 
and you ask yourself five questions. So they're reframing questions. So they're not really gonna solve your problem, but they might help you look at it a different way. And I do them all the time, so I love them. Um, the first question is, what's great about this situation? And you don't search for answers. You just kind of offer that question to your mind and stuff knocks around. Um, the second question is, um, oh my gosh, what's great about this situation? What's not perfect yet? What's not perfect yet? And then you ask yourself, what am I willing to do about this situation? And what am I not willing, no longer willing to do about this situation? Um, so that's four questions so far. And the final question is, how can I work on this issue or problem and have a great time doing it? So I, you probably all just did kind of a mini version of those questions. Um, and what I often find is this impossible to solve situation. As I practice that, I get one little tiny thing I can try that I thought I'd tried everything. And here's something I'm gonna try. So I actually did that the other day with a situation at work where I wasn't feeling supported. And in popped one of my colleagues who's perfect to work with on the situation. And for whatever reason, I was so blinders on that I hadn't thought about this counselor that I might be able to work with on it. Now then the practice becomes doing it in the world. Um, but thank you for sharing that question. It can be helpful, especially if you have that thinking, churning mind, if you're going to be thinking about this anyway. So. Um, so I think I'll wrap up. Um, I offered a chance to set an intention. And so if you find a way to practice this for three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes every day for the next couple of weeks, I trust you'll have some shift, some change. Um, it's really helpful to have support of other people. Um, last time I shared that Mainline Unitarian Church has two uh, non-denominational meditation groups that meet on Sunday, one at 8.30 in the morning, that's an hour and a half, hour 15 minutes, um, and one at 11.15. Did it change? Yeah, it's 11.30. 11.30, great. And that one's half hour? It's just half hour. Um, so that kind of check-in like we're doing here is really valuable. Um, apps can be fun, stick with one, Try not to do the apps that try to like get you to like check box and you know like turn it into a competition. Um, I'll share with you by email um, this uh, evening as, as well as the practices. And then I have a couple of things on this blue sheet here. Um, on the 24th of October, I'm gonna be at the Ludington Library. A little bit more of a lecture, but on the science of stress. Um, men. I've got several programs coming up that I'm excited to share, and you're welcome to share with others as well. So I think I'll, I'll close with that. Um, I hope to see you again here in a month and a half. Um, and please let me know by email or you know, my phone number's on my card. Uh, call me as well if you have any questions or follow-up. So thank you so much.